Hey, you're back at the Faculty Factory Podcast, and I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins looking at Dr. Beatrice Tapia. Dr. Beatrice Tapia is the Interim Associate Dean of Faculty Affairs and an Associate Professor in the Primary Community Core of the Integrated Specialty Units at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley School of Medicine. Did I get that close to right, Beatrice? You got it right. And in Texas, we do things big. So that title just, you know, you could tell that we're from Texas because we just could do, we go big. I love it. I love it. And rightly so, because when your name started popping up all over on my GFA, the AAMC GFA, our group on faculty affairs, which is my professional society home. I know you are very active in the steering committee and leading. And I just was, I saw your name and people said, yes, you have to have Dr. Tapia on the podcast. I love the work you're doing. And I'm especially excited that you, thank you very much, because I know it's no easy task, have led the third iteration to the second follow-up of the GFA trends. So those of us who've been around for eons remember Dr. Paige Morahan at all published the first um, um, research on this GFA, Group on Faculty Affairs Trends, in 2002. Then Dr. Roberta Sanino et al. did a follow-up in 2010. And COVID pushed your work back a little bit, but thank you for doing this one coming out soon. And actually, um, by by the time this episode drops, you will have been presenting at a wonderful webinar talking all about the new trends. So thank you, first of all, again, for this work. I know it's not easy. It's tough. So thank you for all your sacrifices in service to our community and in service to the best faculty in the entire galaxy. So thank you and congratulations. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for that kind introduction. And yes, we are really excited to be doing the third iteration of groups of faculty affairs, it's really defining the roles of faculty affairs offices in this evolving academic medicine landscape. And this work could not be done, you know, it's not solo. I have a a great team. Actually, I'm part of the Texas Consortium for Faculty Success. We've come together as a group in Texas, and it is a subset of us that is working on this um, research to really enhance the the evolution that Offices of Faculty Affairs and Development have had. So I have colleagues from from, um, Texas Tech, Coco Ong. I have Janet um, Williams from University of Texas Health Science Center, San Antonio. Uh, Johnson George from Texas Health Science Center at Houston, McGovern Medical School, Jennifer Alley. um, From, you know, the um, Texas Christian University, Lisa Kane, our current GFA chair. Who, uh, who is the Associate Vice President of Faculty Affairs and Development, Robert Tillman from Bader College of Medicine, and um, and a colleague of mine who's serving as a, one of our great statisticians, Juan Carlos Lopez Alvaranga. And so, you know, it's, we came together um, really looking at wanting to know more and how we can see the current trends and landscapes of offices of faculty affairs. And so we had a couple of objectives um, for that. We wanted to describe current leadership structures for offices of faculty affairs and development um, because we are seeing changes. We are seeing changes in terms of developments of new schools 
And, um, and we saw an opportunity to really ask, you know, who constructs an office of faculty affairs and what are the current roles and have they changed? And so we were very fortunate to do the survey um, and that really helped us understand what is the current landscape of offices of faculty affairs. And so we, um, we reached out to a lot of individuals, pretty much um, what we did was um, go ahead and retained most of the 2010 survey instrument, um, updated the questionnaire to include items to reflect offices of roles, offices of faculty affairs roles, support services, the size and employment of status of faculty. We paused here and really went in depth because a lot of the questions that we usually get, Kim, is, you know, how much does it take to run an office of faculty affairs? How much staff do I need? to have an Office of Faculty Affairs? How can I ask my current leadership that I need more support if, in, if I don't know what is the bench or the generalities that exist? So really excited to, to be showcasing that pretty soon. Um, I must tell you that we had a great response rate. We, um, of the 157 medical schools, that we reached out because we we did the survey for U.S. medical schools. Of course, Canada, we love you, but we we were intentional in having our medical schools and even asking our our fellows um, in Puerto Rico. So we had a hundred of the hundred and fifty seven. We had ninety three medical schools respond. So almost sixty percent. We're really wow. fortunate that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool, huh? Right. It's probably due in large part to the rock and roll hall of famers you had as your co-authors because everyone on your team has just really earned a wonderful reputation for being productive, being all in, being passionate, being sci good scientists. So again, congrats on leading that um, hall of fame group because that's probably why you got such a great response rate. It's just your, your, your reputations all precede you. Oh well, thank you. No, and and I think it's 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 um it's the team, but it's really the urgency of have some having some data, um because of the ten years and how much has happened since mm -hmm. you know to twenty ten. A lot has happened, and many many of these things that have happened, we've been able to to track. So I I do want to give you some examples of how we've enriched um data to share with our constituency. Everybody that's hearing, you know, go ahead and look at our webinar and, 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 and our paper will be coming out soon. Um, so what we did is we um, went ahead and developed, a, a, we wanted to look at measures of success and effectiveness of offices of faculty affairs and faculty development. We wanted to report on um, new and anticipated roles and responsibilities and expectations and challenges really for the offices of faculty affairs. And so, um, as I said, this is a follow-up and we had three parts um, to this, to this uh, survey. Um, one asking about activities and functions of offices of faculty affairs, the performance evaluation of the office. Um, this part um, that I shared with you is the office staff, staffing and budget. And we really were intentional in removing the, um, 
the salaries to the budget because sometimes we just put in, um, you know, how much is accounted for salaries for personnel, but we really wanted to see the salary that took to really run an office of faculty affairs. And then we went ahead and, and had some open ended responses for additional comments related to structures of offices uh, of faculty affairs. And asked in the end, what do you think are the challenges that we'll have in the next two to five years? And so we, we um, our colleagues are great. They're always helping us. We were able to get really great responses. And, um, and I think for me, one of the highlights is we've changed. We've really changed. Um, we, um, when thinking about leadership in offices of faculty affairs and faculty developments, We've seen a trend of the majority being associate deans from the 82 schools that that responded this question, uh, 42%, meaning 34 of them were, were associate deans, but then we had senior associate deans, vice deans, vice, vice provosts, um, but we also have directors and other individuals. So you could see that there's an array of individuals running these offices of faculty affairs. We, we also saw, um, that there's a change going on, Kim, um, with certain states like mine changing the efforts of DEI. Um, even prior to this, this survey, we're seeing that um, diversity, equity, and inclusion topics um, have a standalone office, but we're seeing that some of them have been expanded or will come back to offices of faculty affairs and faculty development because of the current change. And so when we're talking about opportunities, we do see that um, DEI efforts are, are important as it relates to healthcare delivery, to recognizing them in education. But how is it that our offices are gonna support metrics of these for our faculty? And those are questions that you know are gonna be coming up in their terms for discussion for sure. But the data will give you who is doing um, this type of work in different offices of faculty affairs. Yeah. And I imagine, of course, the big things of promotion. Um, I mean, I guess we could roll up in hiring and recruiting and retention um, mm -hmm. wrapped up in the, in, you know, the appointments and promotions sector. And then separately, the career and professional development. Are, are, did, you, did your research um, show um, more, I guess, uh, direct or, um, what's the word I'm trying to say, more explicit maybe relationships be from between faculty development offices and HR or organizational development offices or external consultants? I'm curious how the development part has changed. Are you able to see any trending with that? Oh, thank you for that question. Yes, definitely. So what we did in our survey was asked if your office was the primary contributor to this or had shared responsibilities. Mm. So, so as it relates to faculty development and programming responsibility, we have um, very interesting information. So we, we can see that mentoring programs, program for women's and minority, teaching, research, and clinical skill development, um, were were asked were asked in the 2010, but we decided to expand some of the faculty development components. Like there is a lot of wellness initiatives that weren't asked in that survey. We also saw professionalism initiatives 
um, in offices of faculty affairs that were not asked in that survey, leadership development as well, along with coaching. Um, and so those are those are new trends that we're seeing in, in okay. offices of faculty development that were not measured in the 2010 survey. So okay. towards your question, um, you're seeing that offices of faculty development have a much greater responsibility now with wellness, with um, promotion of our faculty as it relates to, um, you know, coaching, really looking at faculty vitality, not only in their professional role, but thinking about how do they mentor others? How can we pull them up to um, be successful, not only in the area of their expertise, but even bridge out um, other components that that came through our faculty development was mid-career individuals. Usually we focus on junior faculty. What are we doing with our mid-career faculty and how can we motivate them to continue? Um, and so th those are components that, that were really explicit in our faculty when we asked. So this is qualitative data. So it's the text-free we asked, you, you told us, and we're happy that you did. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm, I, gosh, I can't wait for the webinar on Monday. And what we're going to do in the facultyfactory.org website is I'll link to whatever documents the GFA posts. And um, hopefully we can get um, when the when your paper does drop, we'll link that into this episode because I, I know this will be um, really important for people that want to want to look at this and use the data to have conversations with their vice deans, their deans, their provosts, whoever is responsible for overseeing the missions and the budgets of, of our of our offices. And, and, I, and thank you again so much for um, incorporating all these new responsibilities, because just like our faculty, I feel like, well, at least here at Hopkins, and a strong suspicion that across the country it's the same, faculty members writ large are always asked to do more with less, yes. and and I, I, it's everybody I know. I don't I don't personally know one um, unit, division, department, center, office, whatever you want to call it, that's been given a, a boatload of cash and said, "Here, you know, we're taking half your responsibilities and we're giving you ten times more money. You know, go nuts, have fun with it." It's 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 quite the opposite. It's like, oh, in addition to everything you've been doing, now add on to as you said coaching and vitality and professionalism, misconduct and mid-career and late career and caregiving for our parents and our spouses and all these, you know, ancillary personal, professional, employee-related things. And then having to do that in a way that is palatable to our faculty members who are also being squeezed to do more and more and more with less. So I'm always just so inspired and love to learn how how our our neighbors and friends are doing this work and showing value and doing it without making it one more thing for faculty mm -hmm. members to do or feel like they're guilty because they're not doing it. And so, you know, everything you shared is is of importance to you know, offices of faculty affairs. And, and I think one of the major components that we're seeing as we're looking at the data is we're separating out um, public and private institution. And not to our surprise, um, you know, there's no difference 
in terms of funding, you would think. I mean, and sometimes you're saying, well, maybe the faculty size will have a difference. We also categorize by faculty size and faculty size. Um, there is a couple of trends. If you're a newer school, then you have more funding. Um, or if you have a certain 1500 or more faculty, you tend to have a little bit more funding. But that's if you think about it, it's probably because of the newness of the school or the other component is, you know, you've already have an established base of faculty and, and your faculty development or your faculty affairs is contingent probably not only on that office, but also in expanding to other offices. Mm. So uh, support meaning, right, yeah. the collaborative efforts. And so um, when we're looking at that, and trying to find trends, um, I think it's fair to say when you see an office of faculty affairs you or development, you just see one office of faculty affairs and development. Because all of us, while there may be core functions of, of faculty affairs and development, it really depends on the school mm -hmm. um, and the importance of your mission and and your vision and, you know, is it is it a community based school or is it more of a research intensive school? And so um, while we have not really kind of gotten a microscope to look at that for us, we we what we want to share with our research paper is that it, it does take a lot of individuals to help support our faculty. And I think that's really in the end our message is if you want a robust faculty vitality program, you have to invest in your offices of faculty affairs and faculty development, because we've seen that recruitment and retention is a key component to um, faculty development and faculty affairs. Um, we are seeing that opportunities um, when they come to us, if we don't have development programs to support our faculty, they will be and may be recruited to a private sector or to a new entity. Right. Yeah. And so there, there, there's a lot of discussion here, Kim. I, I'm, you know, it's definitely. Um, so I, I just love this work so much. And you're reminding me of, um, I'm so happy that you said and emphasize how important the, the work we do is. And and I'm heartened to remember that Daryl Kirch, the former president of AAMC, when I had him on the podcast and we talked and, you know, we, you know, years ago before COVID, some of us were like worried when our, um, geez, do our deans even know who we are and what we're doing and how do they value what we do and how do we measure outcomes and how do we demonstrate, you know, can we tie back what we do really to recruiting and retaining and satisfaction and engagement and wellness and vitality and RVUs and paper production and grants and da, 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 da. So having that conversation with him, he reminded me at the Council of Deans at the AAMC, he said the deans very much appreciate, they understand what offices of faculty affairs and offices of faculty development do, that, that our offices are the one-stop shop, overarching, big umbrella. If you think of like at Hopkins, we have vice dean for clinical affairs and Vice Dean for Research and Vice Dean for Education and Vice Dean for Operations and Vice Dean, all these layers, extraordinarily important jobs. And yet Vice, and that the Office of Faculty, the Vice Dean for Faculty touches all of those because mm -hmm. all the other things I just mentioned, the people who do that work, they're faculty. So mm -hmm. everything rolls up into faculty. 
And that's why not only we haven't even mentioned LCME, the liaison, you know, Council Medical Liaison Committee on Medical Education, the LCME accreditation process that we all go through, it's not optional. You know, we have to demonstrate that we are investing in the development of our faculty members. So I'm glad that you reminded us of the importance and the value of what we do. And oh, I had oh, my other thought was. I wonder if you or what your your wonderful team and I and I and I also a little diversion here. I remember years ago when Lisa King was talking about this consortium in Texas, and I was so envious because I I'm a community builder and I love my mm-hmm. whole mantra is to build community. And I was just jealous that you have this geographic you know team. And I remember thinking, well, we should have you know East Coast, West Coast, mid you know mid mid Central America. And anyway. Maybe someday we can have have those smaller smaller geographic pods. But you and I were talking right before about you went to learn, serve, lead. Yes. And you were mentioning the really interesting conversation during the business meeting about institutions, many of us expanding our footprint and acquiring other hospitals. I'm wondering if you, you know, Beatrice, um, could put some of that you know, reality of the growing footprint of many academic medical centers and how that um, weighs into or parlays into these trends you're seeing. Like, do you, are you, have you had any suspicions, hypotheses, conversations around this? Can you conjecture anything from your research pointing, you know, aligning with this trend of all of us kind of merging and, and acquiring others and how that will influence our our functions in our offices? Yes, that, that's an excellent question, Kim. Thank you for asking that. You know, that was one of the big topics at Learn, Serve, Lead, um, specifically amongst our groups of faculty affairs and other medical um, entities, you know, in terms of health system. And in and some of the work is done by Elsa Milano, who's a colleague of ours now in Texas as well. Um, and she actually did a, a, is working on a paper on um, acquisition and mergers. And one of the main components that she has shared with us, and, and we had a tabletop discussion um, at, at um, Learn, Serve, Lead, was um, retaining the values of your schools and, and your mission and really before a merger the big highlight was communication, 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 because um, if you bring together a healthcare system with a medical school, um, at times these lines get blurred and faculty vitality or faculty identity may be um, on the sideline, if you will, not intentionally, but the identity of a faculty may change if you are only in clinical practice and are you a community-based um, practitioner? Um, there's a lot of conversations in talking about promotion and tenure as these mergers happen. And what does that look like as we expand, if you will, the footprint of mergers and acquisitions? Uh, is it a clinical educator track? And, and so a lot of conversation has been in terms of recognizing that, that um, these merger and acquisitions um, are a benefit, um, if you will, cap- capitalizing on academic institutions in a healthcare system. Yet sometimes they grow so fast 
They grow so fast and so quick that they may lose sight of the faculty and the value of, of academic 